It's Stars and Stripes this week on The Reverse Stick where we talk to the Executive Director of USA Field Hockey, Simon Hoskins. There's replacements, points and someone wins a prize. And welcome once again to The Reverse Stick. I'm John Lee and I'm joined, as I am weekly, by my co-host Matt Allen. How are you, Matt? John, I am feeling absolutely wonderful and ecstatic to be here once again, sitting opposite you, with an opportunity to talk about our great game. And there's a bit to talk about this week too. There's been a few things happening. Well, we're recording a little bit later in the week this week than we normally would do, so we've got about eight days' worth of news to um, divulge and share with you all, uh, and uh, it's just where to start. Well, we might as well start with... The news. Taking back the mantle there with the news thing. Thank you, John. <laughs> so, first up, uh, quite worrying news that uh, England coach Danny Kerry suffered a heart attack in South Africa in Joburg at the Hockey World League semi-finals there. And there was a, an absolute outpouring on social media wishing Danny well. There's been some comments have come back through the, the Independent in the UK uh, from Danny himself. I would also like to convey how proud I am of how both players and staff continued through the tournament in such a professional manner, particularly during the Saturday I was admitted. Finally, I look forward to some extended time with my wonderful family and friends, to recovering and to returning to the role I love in due course. So we wish Danny a very, very speedy recovery there. And uh, not wanting to make light of it in any way at all, but maybe there's a little message there for some of you players out there and uh, of the damage <laughs> that you can do to coaches on the sideline. So, uh, you know, instead of thinking yourself and your teammates sometimes, have a little bit of a spare <clears throat> thought for your coach. Next on the agenda today, Matt, uh, Hockey India 2018. The Hockey India League is being cut. Well, it is officially not going to be there now. Uh, for all the rumours that may may not have been swirling around the place, but they do claim 2019 they'll be coming back bigger and better. Well, yeah, it's it's nice to hear that. It's to be honest, it's quite nice to hear anything out of Hockey India on the matter. As you said, the, these were things that were raised quite a few weeks ago through a blog of Ashley Morrison's, and then uh, extrapolated through various areas of the Indian media, but with with virtually no comment at all from Hockey India. Um, and we had the Hockey India, effective, effectively the AGM last week, and what comes out of it is no Hockey India League for 2018, but possibly a return revamped in 2019. There's a lot of reports in, in the press there as well as uh, Hockey India saying that all stakeholders were consulted on the matter. Um, we then hear back from some of the franchises that they'd heard nothing on the matter, um, some were said to be struggling financially and unable to commit to previous contracts that have been signed. I don't know. There seems, there seems to be some some conversations going on in back rooms there, you know, with all stakeholders, but not necessarily through the official channels. And uh, you know, we get bits and pieces through the media. Um, the the reality is there is no hockey in the league in 2018. Well, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing for the Hockey India League, um, regardless of the reasons given. Now, it's been much publicised. The, the main reason was a clash with the Indoor World Cup. But, you know, reading the press <laughs> release, they do cite a couple of other issues that came in, that became involved with, you know, the timing of their league. 
there's a, perhaps a bit more reasoning behind it than people gave it credence for, the decision. But I think it's a good opportunity for Hockey India to actually kill this off. Just take the knife to it and say, no, no more Hockey India League. That is dead. That entity is dead and buried and we're not revisiting it. But what we are going to do is take the lessons from it and we will be relaunching with a new league in 2019. Don't carry the baggage from the Hockey India League will always carry as the Hockey India League. Cut it off now, move ahead and, and take those lessons forward. And, and look at, use this as an opportunity too, to start to include women into the Hockey India League. You've got the time now. You can really invest in this project and make it a truly hockey project as opposed to just a men's hockey league. Yeah, look, I, I think that's got absolute merit. Taking you back a few steps, the, the reasons really were given that there was a clash with the Indoor World Cup, um, which were rubbished by some international yeah, players I saw on Twitter. But, uh, yeah, so, so, we, there's, I think there's lots of potential reasons and it's an absolute, absolute myriad of decisions made by different people and different roles within the organisations there. But on, onto your point with the refresh yeah. and, 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 uh, your last point there on, uh, ha- having a Hockey India League for women, well, it's an absolute uh, no-brainer, isn't it? The men's side have shown such improvement up until the recent games that we saw in uh, the Hockey World League uh-huh. semi-finals, but have shown such improvement because of the Hockey India League, because of the mix of the international players. We've talked about it before. Terry Walsh talked about it in an earlier interview. There's a definite benefit to the men's game. Yet one of the reasons cited for Hockey India not being involved in the Hockey Pro League was the detriment to the women's side that having that channel of entry to Olympic qualifiers would have. Now, surely, if there was a Hockey India League for women also, then the same principles would apply, the same boost uh, in the game for the international side would happen. How how could it not be the case? Well, it's going to have to work in with the, the Hockey Pro League, whatever it does, and the World League as well. There's going to be huge demands, whatever they do, on the on the hockey players, and then you're also throwing in things like um, World Cups, yeah, World Cup preparation. It's always going to be difficult for them, but if they can make, get the formula right, and now they've given been given the opportunity to really look at it and study it with some experience behind them and understand the mistakes, it could be exactly what we need. Yeah, I read a piece in the Indian press, um, and I think somebody commented uh, within there, no, somebody definitely did comment within there, that <laughs> the revamped league, the, the leagues that die and come back again very, you know, very rarely uh, succeed. That's right. D- don't take that baggage into the future. You know, l- launch something new and fresh that's its own entity. So, John, just as we mentioned there, Hockey Pro League, um, we've also had the announcement in the in the past seven or eight days that the two replacements for Hockey India men and Hockey India women have been made for the, the nine sides. And so for yep. the men, uh, Spain are uh, joining the competition and for the women, Belgium are joining the competition. So uh, I'd like to give my congratulations to their administrative teams there for lodging uh, bids of enough quality to to slot into those ninth positions in the the coveted Hockey Pro League. Yep, the Event Portfolio Implementation Panel announced the decision, as you said, a few days ago. The EPIP, which is also an anagram for pipe, but we don't want to infer anything there. Um, Yes, 
But, well, it's a good decision. They're both European teams, so that'll help with the running of the competition, if nothing else. The, the, and they probably both deserve to be there as on merit, the, as far the, as their competitiveness the one, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but the one, the one thing I would say, and I actually commend FIH on this, this hasn't been a lengthy process. Um, it's been a fairly swift turnaround from Hockey India walking away five, six weeks ago um, to a new tender process. No, no, both of these sides were... Um, the reserves of the original bidding process. There was a couple of reserves named for each league in case someone did oh, yeah, pull no, out. Yeah, no, I can see that. And both teams were approved as the first reserves earlier in June once the league participants yep. had been announced. There you go. So they, they may have had to go gone through a further, you know, do you want to process with the FIH, but they had already been identified as the next potential entrance yep, yep, to that, yep. that league. Well, well, good luck to them. Um, it's another two teams travelling to Argentina every every round, but you know, see how how the fixture works out. They're going to have to do something there, but it, it's um, good to see that they're getting recognition for their efforts. The players, anyway. Yeah, well, we, look, we've we've talked about our, uh, potential issues and the issues there may be with Hockey Pro League, and <laughs> th- th- these things keep popping up. But uh, you'll hear in our interview coming up that uh, I get quite enthused by a certain gentleman's. Uh, attitude towards Hockey Pro League and perhaps you will too You are listening to The Reverse Stick and it's time for our feature interview So on the eve of the joint 2017 Pan American Cups for men and women live and direct from Lancaster, Pennsylvania in the US joining us today is Simon Hoskins the Executive Director of USA Field Hockey Good morning Simon And good morning to you Thank you very much for joining us today um, it's obviously a very, very busy time for you and the team there um, in Lancaster. Uh, could you maybe set the scene a little for us and, and uh, you know, the day before the games commence, let, let us know what's going on there? Yeah, sure. We're just a couple of days out from um, starting the Pan Am Cup, which is the uh, top teams across the Pan Americas, all descending in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and will ultimately crown um, on August the 13th. The women's champion and August the 12th the men's champion so you're, the games are being played in Lancaster Pennsylvania at probably one of the best sports stadium names in the world I would think at Spooky Nook uh, what can you tell us about the venue what, what are the hockey facilities like there um, and yeah, what are the facilities in general for the teams like there yeah I think um, this, this place really is amazing and uh, I encourage everyone who loves hockey to, to watch the stream on usafieldhockey.com which is available worldwide and you'll see the You'll see a part of the facility. It's really interesting, actually. We moved here uh, four and a half years ago, right after the 2012 Olympics. And we have uh, a beautiful wet turf. And we also have a wet turf covered by a dome. It's the only one like it in the world. So it's a full-size field underneath as well. We're going to use that as a training pitch. And the outside pitch is the competitive pitch. But it's not just that. There's a 700,000 square foot, uh, which is the largest indoor sports arena in North America as part of the facility and we're effectively the anchor tenant at one end we have an incredible four sets of changing rooms beautiful video room the women's national team for USA is based here full time they have a, a beautiful uh, locker room and training room and medical room and kickback room and we have our offices up here as well so it's really we've had many teams in here over the last four or five years we're hoping to have Australia actually uh, beginning of uh, next year and uh, I know all the visiting teams are really has a has a huge wow factor for them. It's really uh, developing into be a bit of a hockey mecca. 
So the stadium, the main turf pitch in the stadium itself, what, what are you looking at sort of capacity-wise? Well, we're at 2,500 right now. Um, we, we were um, fortunate enough to be entered into the Hockey Pro League um, a couple of months ago, and part of the requirements for that is to have a 4,000 minimum capacity, so we're going to be upgrading over these coming months to make sure that we have that. We have a beautiful VIP lounge as well, of course, parking for 4,000 plus. Um, so um, the facility is only three, three and a bit years old, and it's growing and developing still. So it sounds truly world class. Yeah, I think so. And I think um, speaking to the coaches who travel around the world, playing a lot of facilities, they recognise that this is really developing into be one of the one of the top hockey venues. There's also a hotel on site, and I think five of the teams, five of the 15 teams competing in the Pan Am Cup, are staying on that hotel. It's filled out, of course. And so they can just walk out of, rock out of their beds, walk out of their rooms down to the, to the field and have a, a beautiful high performance environment for them and then head back to the hotel at the end. There's a full service restaurant, of course, as well. Um, we even have an indoor hockey center with eight full size indoor courts, which is an important part of North American hockey as well. So there's really everything a, a hockey uh, fan could want here. I think you're, you're making a lot of hockey, <laughs> yeah. hockey people around the world sound very jealous. <laughs> Why Lancaster? Simon, is there is that uh, the hub of hockey in the US, or is it central to where people play the game? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and like us in Pennsylvania, so just just to the uh, west of New York, and and truthfully, it's just uh, closer to Philadelphia as the main big city, and it's about an hour and a half west of Philadelphia. Uh, the reason that we're here is that Pennsylvania really is the hotbed of hockey in the US, and the story goes like this: it's after. Uh, the women's national team, the USA team, did not perform well, in fact, at the wooden spoon in the London 2012 Olympics. We were then based across the other side of the country in Chula Vista, in, in southern, right in the south of uh, California. And our reviews indicated that uh, it was much more important for the athletes and for the junior and for the infrastructure to be based in the hub of hockey. And just uh, over the last century, it's really developed in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Maryland, those are the real hotbeds of hockey. And we were looking for a new home, and we were fortunate that our, our ambition aligned with the owner of this incredible place. It used to be a big carpet factory. Um, and Sam Byler, who is the, the single owner, and he used to own Auntie Anne's Pretzels, which is a huge franchise uh, in America. Um, he's from this area, and he had a vision of making this just a great youth sports um, facility and he was delighted to have the opportunity to have an Olympic group with him. So we were able to build and customize from the ground up this whole whole place, which was really a, an incredible opportunity. So just on, on to the tournament itself, or the, the twin tournaments, what are your expectations on who will come along to watch? Is it something that you're going to attract people from all over the States to come and see? Yeah, absolutely. And um, we have people who will be flying in, and uh, we're obviously attracting the daily folks who can visit locally, I mean, there's tens of millions of people within a couple of hours of uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So we're, we're anticipating some pretty good crowds. We're also uh, streaming through our service, and it's live on, on television around Pennsylvania uh, through cable. And it's going to be live in Argentina and live in Chile as well. Yeah, that's great. Will, will you be able to get that stream in Australia, do you know, Simon? Because we have a, a, a nasty reputation in this country of getting geo-blocked from anything we want to watch. Yeah, no, my understanding is that you can. It's on uh, www.usafieldhockey.com. 
and uh, the stream will be there every day, of course, for alternating men's and women's games, game days, so it's a continual from the 4th through to the 13th. Now, I understand this is the first major hockey tournament in the state since the Atlanta Games. Um, what, what can this do for hockey for you? Yeah, it's a great question, and um, hosting in, in the Pan Am Cup, uh, which comes every four years, is, a, is a, a pretty good opportunity for us to expose hockey in this area. Even more so, it's for men's hockey, because uh, atypically in the U.S., we're really a female-dominated sport. 99% of our playing members are female. Um, and so to have male hockey and to see the, the Philke families, then to be able to see what elite male, men's hockey looks like is a really great opportunity for us. And we hope to inspire a whole new generation of guys to play. And this comes on the back of the announcement this week that the U.S. will be hosting the upcoming Olympics in 2028 in Los Angeles. Uh, and that really gives uh, us a, an 11-year run-in to really change the dynamic of hockey in the U.S. so that boys are really attracted to the sport with a dream of playing in the Home Olympics 11 years from now. You're listening to The Reverse Stick, and we'll have more from Simon Hoskins, the Executive Director of USA Field Hockey, coming up shortly. We'll be talking a bit more about the game generally in the U.S., but yeah, just just picking up that very last point there about the opportunity uh, to inspire a generation for for boys and men's hockey in, in the US is is such a great opportunity, and uh, it, it's interesting that the success that can be built on the back of success. So you know, you win a major championship, and I think in the UK at the moment with the success of uh, the GB women uh, last time around at the Olympics, that's still being felt now, and. Uh, it, it, it can't be underestimated for the longevity of our game and the strength of our game. Absolutely. Now, just looking at the uh, Pan American Championships, men and women are both competing for the Pan American Cup in the uh, the women's competition. Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, Brazil, Canada, Mexico, and the hosts USA. Now, Argentina are currently ranked third in the women's, and the USA are sixth. Uh, then you drop down to uh, Chile, 20th, Uruguay, 23rd. Oh, sorry, Canada, they're at 19th in the world. Uh, Mexico coming at 30th and Brazil at 41. They're, that's their world rankings. And the f- first time around for Brazil being involved in the championship there. Oh, great effort for the Brazil girls. And obviously, perhaps that's an effect of having the hockey at in Brazil for the Olympics. And that's a right. A bit you, of inspiration you, yeah, there. You get the facilities and the opportunities. Which sort of... Mocks my call for us to get out of the Olympics. If you might read on the website, www.thereversestick.net. We write stuff. We put it up there if you're keen to go and have a look at that. Uh, but on to the men now. Uh, Argentina, Chile, the USA as hosts. Venezuela, Brazil, Canada, Mexico, and our friends at Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, they're ranked 33rd in the world. The Argentinian men, well, they're top of the tree at the moment, worldwide, number one. Uh, Chile at 27 and USA at 26. We've got Canada who are at 11. So they're in the second ranked team in that particular competition. Yeah, look, at 11. I think there's traditionally the results kind of go the same way um, in the competitions there. And uh, when we spoke to Ray Richardson from TNT Hockey Board last week, the boys were hoping to medal there. But a realistic medal would be a, a third spot. A fourth spot would still be great for them in that. In that 
uh, that championship. Well, their rankings rising. They're up to 33, and they've got teams ahead of them who are ranked 29, 26, and 27. So it's not out of the oh, realms the, of possibility. Uh, nothing, nothing in it whatsoever with yeah, when, the way right. the rankings are. And you know. It's funny because world rankings are automatically going to split people up and there's going to be teams that are ranked, you know, their ranking looks low, but they're not actually bad teams that on a day will any, take you to task. Any given day, and I think you've probably got to group it in eights and, and you're not far off with that and that's why we look at things like the Hockey World League finals being the top eight and then you've got a, a fairly a tight group below with a, another yeah. eight there, and there's your, you know, your top nations there with it. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll have a look at the results coming out of there, because as, we, as we're recording, the tournament hasn't started. It's about 24 hours away. So Yeah, look, but you wouldn't mind betting an Argentina-USA final in the women. Um, and uh, I think Canada or Argentina in the men? Uh, Canada ranked 11. You'd, Next you'd, closest you'd, is 26. You'd, you'd expect that, but the but the US are there on home soil. They'd be oh, they really, really good support there. Um, it would just be interesting to see how the game is developing there and how they stack, stack up against and just the big boys in Argentina. Just quietly, it would be good to see both the USA sides do well because then American broadcasters might take notice. That would be really, really good. Well, it's the one, the one thing I think we get from Simon is, is that there's a, there's a passion for broadcast there. He, he didn't waste any time, um, opening up on the interview with it. And, uh, that was a big tick on my list of questions. And, uh, we'll get that, uh, internet address for you to watch that live stream as well. But we've got more coming up from Simon. He does talk specifically about going out and finding these sorts of deals for yourself in part two of our interview with Simon Hoskins, executive director of USA Field Hockey. Now, good events need good volunteers, so whereabouts have yours come from and uh, you know, in what ways are they getting involved? Yeah, we have, we have an army of volunteers, of course, um, in, the, in the several hundreds who are participating in many different ways, and that's from uh, volunteering as ball chasers, so they'll have these incredible experiences to be on the field, to working in the, in the changing rooms, to greeting folks, to, to uh, a number of other tasks behind the scenes as well. And, and a number of them come from the field hockey community, of course, and it's great for them to give back to the sport, to put on a great field hockey um, spectacle for, for other people. So we're hugely grateful for all their support, and I'm sure they'll have a great time. So what, what kind of events have you got planned around the, the, the tournament itself for the fans, whether it be you know uh, signing sessions, that sort of thing? Yeah, we, we recognize that we need to be... Uh, uh, and field hockey generally needs to be ever more positioned. And of course, the upcoming Hockey Pro League is a, a, a great example, great opportunity for us all to change the dynamic around hockey. But other sports, cricket and rugby and, and many other American and Australian sports have really embraced spectatorship and engagement with fans. Hockey hasn't done as good a job in that, and the Hockey Pro League is designed to be that television ready. And the Pan Cup and the other international series we, we have here, we make sure that we are changing that dynamic and making the games more entertaining and that the athletes um, get involved and engage with the crowd after they finish playing. Do you uh, have a problem getting cut through, given the nature of the American sports market? I mean, obviously you've got NFL and basketball and then there's ice hockey and, and baseball and other sports underneath that. Is, is hockey still struggling to get some sort of recognition? Yeah, it's a challenge for sure. And, um, geez, it's hockey and 50 other sports in, in America, of course. It's a, it's a sport loving country and we're so fortunate for that. Uh, but that comes with it being a very crowded marketplace. And, um, 
while on one hand people are used to having their kids play many different types of organized sports, the, the typical Olympic sports and many other new sports, um, and they're so used to watching television on sport, it's available every day in m- many different varieties depending on the season. So getting hockey mainstream is, is challenging for sure. Now the change in the media over recent years, of course, allows us to um, stream and be on other channels. But you're right, getting cut through is uh, that's one of the big challenges in front of us, and it's a challenge we want to embrace and make sure that we spread the great experience and great values that hockey has to to ever more people. Is the, would you say the college system is still the backbone of hockey? Uh, yeah, you're right, and it's a it's a really unusual system, but it's a great one. I can tell you. The NCAA, which operates the collegiate um, sports in the U.S., is an incre- it's a huge, huge uh, sports provider. Um, there's many, many football, American football stadiums, with more than 100,000 capacity. That leads to a lot of uh, folks wanting to have their sons and daughters play collegiate sports, which leads to a lot of youth sports uh, recruiting programs. Um, and we're, USA Field Hockey is a big operator of uh, recruiting programs. And that is actually the financial backbone of our organization that allows us to generate resources, which we then um, invest into our national teams and sports participation. So it, it's not like in a lot of countries you don't rely heavily on government funding? No, we're, we're not unique, but uh, that's exactly true. And I know it's, it's almost the reverse of the Australian hockey system. But we let less than 5% of our funding is from uh, the United States Olympic Committee, and that's a private company as well. That does not receive any monies from uh, the government. That's all self-generated revenues from TV, from sponsors, and from donors. So uh, we effectively get zero government support, um, which does in, in some ways put us at a disadvantage. We're competing uh, at a very high level, of course, against a number of countries, including Australia and Great Britain and others, who have... Um, pretty sizable government grants, annual grants or quad-based grants. So we have to work really hard to make sure that we have enough resources, that we can um, attract the right coaches, get the right, tra- right training environments for the athletes, pay for um, taking athletes around the world to compete in various tournaments. So we're, we're really a, we're a non-profit but with a private sector mentality. I think that's a, a really interesting dynamic, Simon. I think sometimes in this country that perhaps we're a bit used to sucking on the government teat at times and there needs to be a bit more energy and enthusiasm and urgency about some of the administrators getting a kick on where it seems like you guys, because you have to do it yourselves, you have that enthusiasm and energy for it. Yeah, no, and it's well said and it makes us entrepreneurial and... and yeah. We're a, we're a $10 million group, and most of that comes from youth sports events. We have some events with more than 200 teams playing on 30 fields at one venue. Wow. Uh, showcasing we have a big indoor program with 600 different teams playing uh, on eight courts um, over a series of weekends. And they generate the great experiences for the athletes, and they also generate these extra resources. But I would say this is that in hockey generally is – uh, incredible participation sport has been this last century, but has not been a great spectator sport. And the Pan Am Cup is an example of that. And and that is why the top countries have collaborated to create the Hockey Pro League starting in 2019 with a vision to, to really achieve what really rugby and, and some other sports have done over the last 25 years, 
to really make it an attractive television and spectator sport as well with a vision and that will generate the resources so that athletes can be full-time professionals and that we can spread hockey in a much, much greater way to the mass market. It, it sounds good. You know, we've, we've spoken about the Hockey Pro League on the show before and there's, there's some rev, uh, you know, reservations with regard to travel and other bits and pieces with it, but you're selling it to me harder and harder. <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I think uh, yeah, the, to, to have that vision there for it, Simon, sounds absolutely fantastic. Now, just before we let you go, we know you've got some other um, things to take care of. Do you have any predictions for the upcoming tournament? Well, of course, we'd love for the USA teams to do well. It's, 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 uh, they've worked so hard to be part of it. But I also recognize that so many other countries across the Pan Am, there's 15 teams here. This is their great chance to, to shine, and they've worked so hard to, to get here and to get selected onto. Of course, Argentina, the Olympic champions, kick off against our, our men in the, in the first evening game of the tournament. So that's an incredible challenge for our men. They're up for it. Um, but Argentina will be really tough to beat on the men's side, of course. And on the women's side, it's been an Argentina-USA final. And Argentina have won them all since the history of the tournament oh, began. Wow. So we'll be looking to turn that one around. So I would hope with 2,500 plus fans cheering you on, hopefully you don't let the Argentinians buy any tickets, um, <laughs> that uh, they might be able to, to spur the girls on to glory then. Yeah, I'd say it's, it's going to be a great tournament either way and just a great example of hockey at its finest. Oh, those Argentinian supporters are good to have in the crowd though, aren't they? Ah, oh, yeah, they know, see, they know yeah. uh, how to cheer on a team and, uh, geez, if you've seen uh, any team play in Argentina, of course, the crowds get, go wild for, for the women's team and also for the men's team as Olympic champions now. So, yeah, we'd love to have them cheer on. It's, it's a great atmosphere as well. Well, Simon, thank you very much for your time today. Best of luck with the tournament. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a great success and uh, love, to hear, love to hear your enthusiasm for the game and, uh, yeah, for the Pan American Championships that are, are on this week. Well, thank you, and thanks for all that you do in promoting hockey as well. Oh, thank you, Simon. And that was Simon Hoskins, Executive Director of USA Field Hockey, ahead of the upcoming, well, now, in, <laughs> by the time you listen to this, they'll be proceeding... Pan American Cup. Yeah, so on for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, look and look out for it on the stream too. Uh, go to the USA Field Hockey website and there's a, a link to the stream there. It's Google USA Field Hockey. It's refreshing that we're going to get access to a tournament. Uh, another little gripe again. I, I think I mentioned last week or the week before with regard to really. The, oh, <laughs> I might have missed that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, another bloody moan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, looking at the uh, the FIH, it said, yep, the highlights are upcoming for from the Hockey World League semis in Joburg. Still, nothing has appeared, and uh, that's quite frustrating. It really is. Oh, come on, guys, get it out there. If you could see how forlorn Matt is looking at the moment, they would just be running to their computer screens to get uh, it worked. It's a frustration, hey? You know, oh, c- yeah. Come on. Um, it, it seems as though we talked about the, the rights being signed away, and it seems like the rights have been signed away. We can't even see any highlights from a competition that finished over two weeks ago. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's lovely, though, to see USA Field Hockey taking a step forward into the new generation of media and uh, taking the bull by horns. This is the way. Look, we've got a few things we need to get through before the end of the show. We don't want to keep you quick people too long. It's going to be our longest podcast yet. So, underway at the moment, we've got the Eurohaku Nations Championships 4 for men. That's got the, some of the smaller nations, Cyprus, Finland, Gibraltar, 
Hungary and Slovenia taking part in that. Coming up also next week, we've got the Euro Hockey Nation Championships 3 for men and women, both happening in Croatia. Great to see both the tournaments happening side by side there for the men and women. And of course, the Pan American Cup is on the horizon. What else have we missed out this week, John, that we want to talk about? World rankings came out. World rankings are out. Get onto the FIH website. They're out, but it's not going to have a great significance because within the next two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, with the various confederations, uh, cups happening and around and about, yeah. there'll be changes again with it. Not too yeah. many movers to shake us happening. A few up, a few down. But In the next change. couple of weeks, so if we get time, we'll go through how the world, our allocation or how points are allocated to teams for different tournaments and stuff. So at least you have some sort of understanding of what's well, going on. Yeah, there was, there was a little bit of controversy on Twitter earlier on in the week with regard to some of the points allocation from, from the Hockey World League semis particularly going towards India in the men where they've been allocated points for finishing top eight effectively whereas they finished uh, 12th but obviously as the, the host of the tournament they have to go through to the finals and so as part of going through then regardless of where they finished in the Hockey World League semi they would still get the minimum 220 points uh, for finishing in the top eight in the Hockey World League final yeah. but we'll get to that in the next couple of weeks the intricacies of points allocation. Right now though it's time for Daryl's favourite part. <laughs> and um, well we do have some feedback but feedback this week Matt is tied up in just let me roll the barrel our competition. You want to fill listeners in on what our competition was? I worked it, obviously if you were listening last week and There'll be some people listening today that, you know, first time listening and welcome, welcome. And others that have, you been, have been with us all the, all the way on the journey. Um, if you haven't listened to the previous seven episodes, get off your backside and just, uh, <laughs> have a listen. So last week we announced our very first competition and uh, we asked people to send it through the socials, share and like the, the, uh, the tweets and the Facebook posts that we put up. We've had a few a few of you. A few of you that um, got on board and got involved, and we really appreciate that. John has got a, uh, a chock full barrel over there with a lot of numbers on Thousands it. Thousands of entries. Aligned to some other entries. This is live. There's nothing contrived. Um, now, of course, wherever you are in the world, you're welcome to come and pick up the prize <laughs> from us. John's I laughing. I thought sending it to oh, them. Oh, jeez. No, apparently I've got to bear the cost on the postage, so wherever you are in the world, this is going to be uh, the winner, and absolutely no word of a lie, here we go, our winner of the competition is a gentleman called Mr. Rob Abbott, and I know that Rob shared some information on, uh, shared some information, shared our tweet on Twitter, so Rob, we appreciate that, (laughs) thank you, (laughs) thank you for everybody that... uh, did that little bit for us. Please do spread the word. Like, like, like. Tell your friends. If you're at the bar, say, oh, you listen to a podcast. You know, perhaps if you're jumping in an Uber. And, oh, uh, absolutely. The, well, the driver's got a, an aux cable and you've got some hockey buddies in the back of the car. Whack it on. It all helps with the downloads. Uh, on the way to a game? Well, absolutely. Yeah, why not? Share the hockey love. Do that. You're a marketing guru, you know that? You're a, you're an absolute marketing guru. Well, I haven't had the phone call from Pakistan Hockey Federation yet, but I'm uh, I'm certainly waiting for it. Oh, I've I've got to share this with people just as we leave this week. Matt's come up with a very unique marketing well tool experiment. What you do is you you secretly plant a couple of club members in the crowd, 
and pay them to shout out advertisements during the middle of the game. It's a fantastic idea. So it's a way that you can uh, get behind your big club sponsors. Uh, you know, you've got to pick the guys that have got the loudest voices, obviously, and the ones that are the most vociferous in, in supporting your side. But, uh, yeah, get some slogans into them, get your company names, your website addresses, and uh, let them do the bit to support your sponsors. Can you just imagine it? Your right wing's tearing down the field, ready to pass that killer pass to score the goal, and out belts Matt. Channel 7 News tonight, watch the diet for you.